0: Hello, hello. You are listening to Cool Story, where we normally talk about our stories, the best stories and the biggest story of the week. But this is a special summer episode where we are talking about summer reading. All the books that you should be reading
1: this summer and will love. We've divided it up into two sections. So we're doing books that we have read previously and like love to recommend as summer reads but also what we're planning to read this summer and what we're excited about. So we're going to
0: start with the ones that we've previously read and recommend. Go, Bri. Okay, Okay, I have brought three in total. We'll take turns. But my three I have deliberately chosen from very, very different genres. So for anyone who loves historical fiction, I strongly, strongly recommend Matrix by Lauren Groff. It is such an immersive and extraordinary story about a woman called Marie who is sort of thrown out of her life in a royal court and goes to live in an abbey but then sort of is powerful and rises to the top of the abbey and becomes like the abbess if that's what you even call it and then sort of loves and wants to protect all of these women in the abbey and so kind of whips them all up into this sometimes lesbian but not necessarily like frenzy of wanting to care for and protect each other and builds this like the matrix in the title refers to this maze, a physical series of complicated hedges with like blind spots designed to completely confuse and disorient anyone that tries to reach them. Oh, wow. Yeah, it is so, so good. Lauren Groff is an incredible writer and it is transporting in the way that the best historical fiction is. But what makes it a beautiful summer read in particular is that where a lot of historical fiction is kind of huge, this book is quick. It's like what she achieves in a comparatively short number of pages. So you can like, I reckon three sessions by the beach. Beautiful. Done. Yep. Oh, it even looks like it could be one night. Well, for you, maybe, <laughs> yeah. But and, and yeah, yeah, like it, it is so short and yet so believable and engrossing. I love that you've been so thoughtful to bring along different genres for different people where
1: I've brought along essentially family reunited, <laughs> chaos in shoes. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so not escapism? No. <laughs> uh, the first one is
1: It won the Miles Franklin a few years ago, so lots of people might have heard of it, but I always love spruiking it because it's a book I always return to. It's called Too Much Lip by Melissa Lukashenko. Have you read it?
0: No, I haven't.
1: Oh, see, this is what I think. I think a lot of people have heard of it, but there's still tons of readers out there that this book could reach, which is why I recommend. It is such a funny book and so well-written and so atmospheric. It is about essentially a young Aboriginal woman who is living life unconventionally, like on her own terms, quite independent. The blurb says that she's um, dodged two things her whole adult life, which is prison and her family. (laughs) And she returns home to see her dying grandfather and gets caught up in various family drama, but also drama to do with the town too. And it's actually set in northern New South Wales around where I grew up. And the way that Melissa captured how it smells and feels out there is actually incredible to me it was it was really like being back home which I think is one of the reasons I love this book and as always one of the things I love in a book is that it's funny Mm. and it's also not a long one you would read it pretty quickly but so so enjoyable Mm. nice What's the next one of yours? Okay.
0: This is like the least original thing ever. But if you are looking for just contemporary snappy realism, also very, very funny, written in a unique voice where like, you know, just contemporary fiction where the voice is really strong and good. And so when they tell jokes, it just lands and it's so witty. Green Dot. Maddie Gray. Oh, ah. yeah, it's so so good. So the protagonist Hera, she is a content moderator, and she basically starts an affair. She's having an aff- has an affair with this like just average middle aged dude, and so there are some components in here that sort of line up with what most people would refer to as that sort of like sad girl kind of millennial fiction. But what Maddie Gray does that is exceptional is that voice like Hera's voice so you would not like it because it is like a lot of emails
1: (laughs) she's on her phone on the cover of the book which is I have heard great things about this book and I love it's debut. I love how young she is she was a bookseller in Newtown which is also cool But I kept not picking it up because she's on her phone on the cover and we all know that I have not been reading books with emails or phones. No one gets an email or a text message in my books.
0: Which is interesting because you said that, I mean, something you mentioned about my novel was that it's about like the gap between sort of who we are and who we want to be or whatever. And like this book, Green Dot, I got a lot out of it where you're just young and you see people who have things that you don't have and you're trying to like make decisions about your work and your life and Sometimes you know that you're making the wrong decision, but you just, like, sort of tumble headfirst into it anyway. Just do it anyway. Yes. Love
1: a bit of self-sabotage. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So I think it's being – I mean, it's one of the buzziest books of the, like, summer reading season. And I'm really happy – as someone that can often be quite cynical about publishing and the industry – I'm really happy that the book that is the buzziest sort of sexy beach read actually deserves it because it's fucking excellent.
1: Oh, I love that. Yeah, my next family <laughs> family cracking on book. <laughs> Is an English book, an old English novel actually called Cold Comfort Farm by Stella Gibbons. And it's about a woman, Flora Post. Her parents die and she inherits her money. And so she's her own and she's a bit, she's like very comfortable in the world. She has a very comfortable place in the world. She's like as cultured as a woman could be Mm. in England at that time. She inherits the money. So she's got, which is freedom. As we all know, it was freedom 200 years ago in England. It's freedom today. Like she can do whatever she wants. And so for some reason she decides to go to her distant family who live in like in this bonkers farmhouse in rural, rural England and she goes and ends up staying with them for a couple of months and it's a satire apparently at the time – and it's so interesting to me that this book holds up because apparently at the time there was like this boom of novels – that were about, like, families living rural in England and they were, like, quite serious and they were meant to be revealing something about the world and culture Mm. and, you know, and a lot of essentially middle class. Well, middle class people reading about, inverted commas, working class people and Uh, thinking that they're learning something and that they're getting, when actually it's just a trope. And this is apparently a satire of that and her sending up how dumb that is to think of rural working class people as like so flat that they're all the same and, you know, all dumb and cut from the same cloth. But I didn't even know that was a trope back then. And I loved this book when I read it Mm. because it's just so well done. Um, And again, so funny. And this family is just absolutely beyond bonkers. Like there's brothers, there's sisters, there's cousins, there's aunts and uncles, like this huge cast of characters, yes, 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 maybe I, maybe I can relate. <laughs> and it's just so, it's so energetic as well. And it, and it does, because it's a satire, it does kind of delve off into the ridiculous at times, but in it's done in a perfect way that doesn't actually take you out of the world of the book. Yeah.
0: My third recommendation is sort of like YA slash fantasy. So it's a trilogy, actually. I've got the third one here. They're by Naomi Novik. And she's, I mean, you know, this is a Sunday Times bestselling series. First in the series is called A Deadly Education. The second one is called The Last Graduate. The one I'm holding here is called The Golden Enclaves. This is such, <laughs> like, goes down easy, gets you out of a reading rut borderline dumb stuff. It's dark Harry Potter. Like there's a school that's trying to kill you. There are students that all get sent in and there are like kind of creatures and baddies and goodies and it's like hyper competitive and the magic is kind of like insidious. And then you learn about the kind of wider magic world that's in existence, sort of hidden from the like regular human world. It is... In no way, I don't think it's in any way sort of like groundbreaking or kind of transgressive or incredibly impressive in any way I would point to other than how fucking easy it is to read. And I read these this trilogy when I was on my honeymoon and then at... either breakfast table in the morning or the dinner table at night, I would just tell like retell what was happening to my (laughs) husband in in this kind of like unhinged fun blow by blow. And that's how kind of just easy it is to follow and understand. So if you want something that is reading and is interesting and stimulating, but doesn't require very much from you and is just kind of fun. The Golden Enclaves is the third book in the Scholomance series by Naomi Novik.
1: So you said YA, so I'm always, always looking for books to give to. I've got more tweens and teens in my life as I get older, you know, various... A niece and cousin's kids and friend's kids. So, which age
0: range would you say it's for? Brady, I don't know how old children are, even <laughs> at like what height they are. Like, from my perspective, they go from being witchity grubs to like witchity grubs on legs, like a medium sized <gasps> dog. Then they walk on two legs and then they're at primary school. Oh my God. <laughs> like, I, I just, <laughs> just I, I don't have, know. yeah. I have a friend
1: who has just had a baby and I went to see her with my kids and she said to me, you know, when I first met your kids a year ago, I knew so little about kids I thought they were twins. (laughs) (laughs) And there's, when when she met them, they were like two and a half and five and she (laughs) thought that they were like, oh, yeah, they're they're the same age. (laughs) I mean, but I would say. Is there sex in it?
0: There is one final sex scene which is very not. Ex- not very explicit.
1: Well, cuz that's the tipping point for me in like whether you give it to an 11-year-old or whether you wait for them to be 14,
0: basically. I, well, I was about to say I think this would be fine for like I think 13. Yeah. Like if you if no 13-year-old is going to read the sex scene and be like, "Wow, new yeah. information." Yeah. <laughs>
1: But it is, like, it is are, hard at that age because yeah. a lot, it's like toddlers again, it's, they change so much in a year. Yeah. But I def- actually want to read it. It sounds griffy.
0: It's just so, it's so easy. So easy.
1: Well, my next book is a book that I haven't read. This is one of the books that I'm really looking forward to reading. I've actually had it on my shelf for a while and was saving for when I was relaxed and having fun. It's... An Australian book by a woman called Claire Fletcher, a book called Love Match. I actually met her at an event that I did earlier this year that you were also at with Caroline O'Donoghue. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and she came up. I remember this. Well, you might remember her because she's really tall. And yeah, but you, I, And you tall chicks seem to, like, clock eyes across the room and, yeah. and give each other the nod. But she was really fun and funny and she is an author of these books and I've ne- then had it sitting on my shelf. And I was super interested to read and it's about a country town where a woman gets dumped by her fiance and she wants to like hide away with her parents. But her parents, I love this sort of plot device where like someone says you can't have something until you complete a task or whatever. And so they put her in, they're not going to put her in charge of the farm until she spends a year getting more involved in in the local community. And from that, I imagine a host of characters mm. come. But she was great and funny. And I'm really looking forward to reading this book mm. in the holidays. I think it's yes. going to be great.
0: A lot of my reading list this holidays has been influenced by the fact that I'm taking this huge trip to Egypt in February. So one of the books that I've put on the mandatory reading list for the people who are coming with me to Egypt is The Shape of Dust. And it's co-written by Lamis Hamuda and Hazem Hamouda, daughter and father. So Lamise was at university in Egypt. And when her father flew into Egypt, he went missing. Like he was arrested. But, you know, there was a while where they didn't know where he He was an IT consultant. He had like the most normal job in Australia. Yeah. And this happened in 2018 that he went missing. What was it? Like without explanation, somewhere between his plane landing and customs. And so the book has both of their word like perspectives in it Um, and it tells the story about like this is just such a good way to describe it I'm reading verbatim from the blurb here after finding him in Torah prison freeing him involves a reckoning with the two countries she's called home with the prejudice of the country she grew up in as in Australia and the corruption in the one she had just begun to know Egypt and it's like the story of her trying to free her dad.
1: I have heard extraordinary things about this book. I've listened to interviews with her mm. and also read some interviews with both of them when the book first came out. And it's been on my to-read list as well. I And I've heard from people who've read it that it's fantastic. Yep. My last book is a book that I'm also going to be reading this summer. My friend Svetlana went to the Blue Mountains Writers' Festival and randomly went to a talk by this writer she'd never heard of called Nadi Simpson. Oh, yeah. Yeah, which... I think some of us have heard of but and she was blown away by Nadi. She said she was so smart, so funny, so cool, like so interesting, so thought-provoking. And so she picked up her novel, Song of the Crocodile, and recommended it to me, so that's why it's on my to read pile. And that won
0: like every award it was up for, yeah. <laughs> well,
1: a few years ago, it I came want to say out. two years. And it follows this family, I think, around the top end or far north Queensland. And I'm going to be in North Queensland, so I love reading books that are set around where you are. And I do that on my travels, whether it's internally in Australia or when I'm travelling internationally. And it's about a family reckoning also like in a town where there's also community issues in the town about who gets to make money from what and tear down what. But the line that completely sucked me in, and I knew I was going to read it, was when the blurb said, The Billy Mill family are watched and sometimes visited by ancestral spirits and spirits of the recently deceased who look out for their descendants and attempt to help them on the right path. Yes, yes. This isn't a novel to me. This is nonfiction. This is what actually happens in families. I believe in all this. I believe in spirits. I believe in ghosts. I love an element
0: of The uncanny. The
1: un- the uncanny or the kooky in yeah. books like this as well. And also just connection to people who have passed, who mm. you are either knew and loved, or you've heard stories about from your family. So I cannot wait to read this. Mm. Well. Thank you. I feel like you've widened my summer reading list so much. So you've physically brought the books in and there's two that I'm going to take from you when we walk out of this studio.
0: (laughs) You've been listening to Cool Story with Brie and Bridie. This is our special summer reading episode. This was recorded on Gadigal land. Sovereignty was never
1: ceded and produced by Sam Devonport. And you can also find us on Instagram where we love hearing from you at Cool Story Brie Bridie. Want to hear a cool story? Get it wherever you get your podcasts.